Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of K-Axis Wrestling Network. Today we will be discussing Monday Night Raw, the May 28th, 2018 edition from Richmond, Virginia, which is actually pretty close to my neck of the woods, so I can pretty much call that home for the most part. But anyway, without further ado, let's get down to business here. Let's begin talking about Monday Night Raw. All right, so we started off with the opening. Um, it was a Memorial Day intro, intro because, of course, you know, Monday Night Raw occurred on Memorial Day. So, uh, you know, a little shout out to the troops, you know, the soldiers, everybody who served in the military active duty in the past. Um, I guess that includes, um, I don't think that really includes people who were dishonorably discharged, but um, anyway, let's move along here. Um, it starts. We start the show on Monday Night Raw with uh, Braun Strowman making his entrance to the ring. Um, he got a very good crowd pop and, you know, early on he started getting the uh, get these hands chant. So pretty much Braun Strowman, it's fair to say that Braun Strowman is pretty well over at this point in time. Um, that's definitely fair to say. And I think that's a good thing. Um, I don't know what a lot of people actually think about Braun Strowman, but uh, as a performer, as a wrestler, as a talent, I feel that Braun Strowman is one of their best right now because, you know, you need Braun Strowman. You need that giant, that big guy who's going to come in there and just tear the house down, the guy that's going to come out there and just handle everybody, the guy that people are afraid of, you know, the guy that people fear, but at the same time they love him at the same time. You know, to be feared and to be loved pretty much. Um, not to sound too much like old Italian mobster movies, but... Um, you know, I, I just want to throw that out there. I think Braun Strowman is one of the greatest talents that they have. I'd like to see him make it to the top. Um, I'd honestly like to see him win the Money in the Bank match and, you know, go and challenge for the title whenever he wants, whenever he pleases, you know. And hopefully he wins and he cashes in on Lesnar. You know, hopefully uh, Lesnar gets a match against, let's say, um, I don't know, who should his opponent be? Maybe Samoa Joe. Well, Samoa Joe's on SmackDown, so I don't, I don't think they'll make that happen. But... You know, uh, who should Lesnar's next opponent be? That's actually a really good question because who do they have on Monday Night Raw that he hasn't already faced and pretty much already creamed? Um, the only person I can really think of that would be legitimate at this point in time would be Seth Rollins because, um, you know, Roman Reigns, he already got his shots. He failed every time, unfortunately, because honestly, I was rooting for Reigns every time he went against Lesnar because honestly, let's, let's be honest here, I'm not a... Lesnar fan, you know what I'm saying, that some people are, but I'm not, you know, I, I feel that a lot of other people will agree with me on that stance, you know, and you can see that when you go to my Instagram, you'll notice, you know, I post GIF images, pretty much video content of, of Lesnar pretty much every time he got beat or, de, de, you know, demolished, whether it was WWE or UFC, you know, so I make that abundantly clear that I'm not a Lesnar fan and that's my right, so... You know, don't get mad at me because you guys are going to have wrestlers, you know, that you don't like as well. You know, everybody has wrestlers that they don't like, you know, and, and, and that, that just comes with the territory of pretty much anything that you get into. You know, you're going to have your pros and your cons, your likes and your dislikes. You know, it goes with pro wrestling. It goes with, you know, basketball, football, baseball, you know, whatever your sport is, you're going to have people that you like and people that you dislike. So let's agree to agree or agree to disagree, as a lot of people say. So, um, you know, that's just my way of saying let's be rational about it. But anyway, I'm digressing here. I'm getting too far off. But anyway, let's continue talking about Raw. All right, so like I said, Strowman was getting off to a pretty good start. Um, and then he pretty much, uh, well, let me see. He cuts, an, you know, a Money in the Bank promo. 
Uh, he says he'll win. He's referring to himself as Monster in the Bank, uh, which is honestly, it's not too bad of an idea. It's pretty cool. You know, it fits him. He's the character. He's the monster. So it, it goes with him pretty well, suits him pretty well. Um, and then he says, you know, that Lesnar will get these hands. And, and once again, I hope so. I hope that Braun Strowman is the man who actually cashes in on Lesnar and just, you know, demolishes him and walks out with the belt because this is the way I see it. Like, if Braun Strowman wins that belt, that universal belt, I believe he can give that belt the credibility that it so desperately needs because if you think about the history of the universal belt, like, who's had it so far? And how long have they had it? And how many times have they defended it? Like, here's, here's an example. We start off with Finn Balor, held the belt for 24 hours, less than 24 hours because I think... Were they the main event? If they weren't the main event, they were the match before the main event of that SummerSlam of, what was it, 2016, I think, when the belt was first introduced. So it's, you know, the belt has been out for less than two years at this point. That's another thing that, you know, takes away from its prestige because it's still brand new. You know, they just newly manufactured that belt less than two years ago. And there's only, what, four names on it? They had Balor. He had the belt for, like, less than 24 hours because he had to relinquish it due to injury. Um, and then we had Kevin Owens. He was the next Universal Champion. And he held the belt for actually a pretty good... A, he had a pretty good title run. He held the belt for a while. Um, and then we had Goldberg, you know, who just, you know, came in to get his money and leave, as usual. Um... And he didn't hold on to it for very long either. I think he might have had it for just a month or, you know, barely a month, if that. And, you know, before he got demolished by Lesnar, too. And then here we have it. You know, Lesnar has the belt for over a year now. And it's just so old at this point. It's like, I don't... The belt doesn't have prestige, honestly. It really doesn't. Like, you compare that belt... Compare the Universal title to the WWE title. And you will notice right away which belt has the most prestige the, the one that has the most credibility the belt that's the most respected the belt that everybody wants to win is the wwe title plain and simple cut and dry and also if you look at the intercontinental title or the tag team titles or the u.s title those belts are also more prestigious than the universal title because more names are on it more historic figures have won it it has a longer history it's been around longer it's been through multiple organizations like that's just the bottom line. You know what I'm saying? Even the, hell, even the, uh, the TNA title, your TNA world title has more prestige than the universal title. I know a lot of people are going to get mad about that. A lot of people are going to disagree with that. But plain and simple, the belt is more prestigious than a universal belt. Pretty much almost every major wrestling title out there has more prestige than a universal title. That's just the bottom line. No matter how you spin it or how you twist it or turn it. It doesn't matter that WWE is the bigger company. What matters is the belt that has the most prestige. You know, the one that's been held by legendary figures, legendary wrestlers, you know, world-renowned wrestlers, a belt that's been defended more than... How many times has the Universal belt been defended, honestly? Um, probably, I'd have to say, maybe less than 10 times at this point, you know, in, in almost two years. So it's fair to say that the belt doesn't really have a lot of prestige. You know, I'm, I'm just making that clear. And I think a lot of people will agree with me on that because you should. I'm talking logic here. This is just factual information. No matter how you spin it, like the TNA title, they have Sting on that title. You know, just, just for having Sting on that belt alone, you know, for having AJ Styles on that belt and for having Samoa Joe on that belt, they had, uh, let me 
WCC. They didn't have Booker T. They had Christian Cage on that belt. Um, there's so many more names that were on that TNA title that makes that belt so prestigious. Um, I, I still wish they had the old one, the one that kind of had like the wings or something on it. Like that one was the coolest. That was the coolest belt they had. It was also cool when they had the NWA belt. You know, so that's another thing to not really mix it up. And see, that's another belt right there that's more prestigious than a universal title. The uh, the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. You know, that's a well-respected belt. You know, that's a that's a belt that many wrestlers should want. And I think that belt is currently in um, what is that organization? There's a there's a wrestling organization that's ran by Billy Corgan, I believe. You know, the Billy Corgan from uh, Smashing Pumpkins. And uh, I think he's running like an independent wrestling league, and I think that's where the NWA title is at this point in time. But don't quote me on that because I'm not really guaranteeing it or anything like that. But um, anyway, I'm spinning too far off the subject here. Let's get back to Monday Night Raw. All right, so Braun Strowman comes out, crowd pop, awesome, off the hook, it's great. Okay, so then we have, uh, let me see what happened here. Braun Strowman uh, gets interrupted by Finn Balor. All right, so they pretty much stand face-to-face, toe-to-toe. Um, Strowman uh, tells Balor, you know, he, he put up a good fight for a little guy, you know, and Balor just kind of laughs it off, I guess, and then he slaps Strowman in the face. And this is honestly getting a lot of buzz around the Internet from what I've seen, like uh, uh, social media such as Instagram and you know, it's all over Instagram, so you know it's everywhere else, too. You know it's all over Twitter and Facebook and, you know, everywhere else you go that's a major platform for social media. You know, I guarantee it's on YouTube as well. YouTube is major as well. Um, you know, but, but, you know, that's one I've been seeing a lot when he slapped Braun Strowman in the face and, you know, which was, was not a really smart move because, you know, you got a giant in the ring, you know, standing toe-to-toe with this little man who weighs about a buck eighty, a buck ninety tops. You know, and Strowman weighs about how much? About 350, roughly. You know, that's just a rough estimate. I believe it's, I, be, I believe he weighs around 350 or so, if I'm not mistaken. If I'm mistaken, correct me. Feel free to correct me. Just do it in a respectful manner. Anyway, like I was saying, uh, Balor slapped Strowman. Strowman pretty much jacked him up and tossed him across the ring and out of the ring. Um, and this point, I, you know, I believe that's when um, Kurt Angle came out. And he, you know, he made his entrance, his little, you suck, you suck, you suck. <laughs> the classic, the classic. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's going to stick with Kurt Angle for life, but it's, it's a classic, you know. What, what can you say? All right, so, but Kurt Angle comes out, and he books a rematch between Finn Balor and Braun Strowman. So we have Braun Strowman versus Finn Balor part two. Okay. And I wasn't really looking forward to seeing that match. I mean, I don't know what you guys think about that, but I wasn't really looking forward to seeing a part two to Braun Strowman versus Balor because, you know, last week the point was pretty much proven, you know, who the better man was. You know, as far as, like, who's over, who's getting the crowd pops, you know, who's doing the most damage, you know, who, you know, who is the most eligible to be the next champion, like, you know, the next major champion, you know, or the next, let's say, the next universal champion whenever Lesnar decides to go running back to UFC. You know, you got to think about these kind of things because this is coming up. You know, another Big Four event is coming up within the next couple months. Uh, what is it? Uh, we're currently at the end of May, so we're going into June. So in another two months and some change, 
we're going to be going into SummerSlam, you know, the, another Big Four event. And at that point in time, like, I feel like that's when, the, you know, like, if they're never going to take that belt off of Lesnar. If they ever take the belt off of him, it should be at SummerSlam because people have been waiting long enough. And, he, you know, and of course, as usual, he hasn't, have, he hasn't had to show up to do anything or say anything. He's just getting the easy ticket as usual, and a lot of people are getting sick of it, myself included. You know, and it's just it's ridiculous at this point in time that he has to do nothing. He gets $10 million a year. Think about this. He gets $10 million a year for what he does or doesn't do in WWE, and it's like, come on. Like, that's got to be the easiest job on planet Earth, you know, to show up every, blue, every once in a blue moon and get $10 million per year. Like, seriously, think about that. Think about how crazy that is. Like, you know, there's people out here bending over backwards, breaking their backs, breaking their legs, breaking their shoulders, breaking their necks, you know, busting ass, excuse my French, busting ass out here on jobs every single day. And for Lesnar to, to just sit home with a belt that he never defends and gets $10 million a year. There's people who bend over backwards every single day, you know what I'm saying, and can barely make ends meet people who barely make minimum wage or just over minimum wage you know what i'm saying it's, it's ridiculous you know it's, it's one of those things that just makes me mad but you know this is this is why i'm not going to get too far into that subject i'm just going to keep things moving here so Balor and Strowman. all right so how did this match go uh pretty much the way you would expect it to pretty much the way it should have went you know braun Strowman being the most dominant um, you know, of course, Balor had his little magical moments where he supposedly knocked Strowman down or knocked him out of the ring or whatever, whatever, whatever. I wasn't a big fan of that. Um, but Strowman, he dominated early on. And this was the opening card, by the way. I forgot to mention that. Sorry, but I got it in there. All right, so opening card, Strowman versus Balor. Strowman dominated early on in the match. Um, the crowd seemed to have toned down in the Strowman support during the match. I don't know. I guess it's because... Some of them are like Balor fans, I guess, and they didn't like seeing Balor getting handled that way, but what do you expect? I mean, do you really expect a guy that's like a buck 90 to be tossing around a guy that's like twice his size? Like, come on, like, come on, ladies and gentlemen, come on, let's be real here. Anyway, um, you know, you had Kevin Owens on commentary. You know, he was saying some pretty funny stuff. You know, he was asking if Michael Cole had reached puberty and stuff like that and just being really... You know, being himself, being the entertaining guy that he is, um, I don't think he gets enough credit. I don't think he gets enough of a push. Uh, he's honestly one of their most talented wrestlers that they have on the roster. Uh, I'm definitely pro-Owens. Uh, he's, he's one of their great Canadian wrestlers. And like I said, he's really, really underrated and underutilized as far as I'm concerned. I really feel like they could do more with him. I'm pretty sure a lot of people will agree with me on that point. Um, but once more, Strowman dominated the match. Um, at one point in the match, I was kind of confused as to what the crowd was chanting. I mean, uh, maybe you guys could chime in and let me know what you think the crowd was saying or if you know for sure what they were saying. Because, Or if you attended the show and you know what the crowd was saying, please let me know. But from what I heard, it sounded like the crowd was saying Strowman sucks. You know, and that part, like, that's what kind of threw me off. I was like, are they saying Strowman sucks here? Because if that's the case then I'm kind of confused because just a moment ago you guys were cheering for him but now you're saying he sucks I mean like like I said I mean maybe I'm wrong maybe they maybe they were saying something else but I, I just hope that they weren't saying Strowman sucks because like I said just a moment ago you were cheering for the guy you were loving him and now all of a sudden you hate him so it's like which is it 
But anyway, moving along, um, Strowman. Uh, he knocked Balor to the outside of the ring at a certain point, and he did his little run around the ring shoulder tackle thing. Except for this time, when he when he shoulder tackled Balor, he knocked him completely over the barricade, which was you know pretty cool, pretty believable too. You know, like a man of that size coming at you at that speed, you know, flying into a guy that's like a buck ninety. Of course, he's gonna go flying, you know, and that's how can you get more realistic than that? Anyway, um, let's see. Yeah, that that was one of the standout moments of the match, by the way. But, like I said, Balor had his little magic streak. Um, you know, he hits his finish, his little double stomp from the top rope with a coup de grace, they call it. Uh, he hit it on Strowman, and then he goes for a second one. Um, but before I give the result of the match here, before I get to that, um, I have to question, were they really going to have Balor go over Strowman or not? You know, like, like let's say the match ends with Balor beating Strowman with the coup de grace or his little double stomp thing. I mean, how would that have went over with the crowd? Would the crowd have been into that? I think the really, really hardcore Balor fans would have liked it, but honestly, I'm not a Balor fan at all. I will openly admit that. Um, I don't see what all the hype is about, honestly, because in most of his matches, I just, for the most part, I just see kicks and stomps. You know, um, perfect example I believe this match happened in 2017, if I'm not mistaken. It was the fatal five-way match to determine a number one contender, I believe. And if you watch that match and then you look at how Finn Balor was performing in that match, you will see what I'm talking about. Like, if you're not biased with, from a completely unbiased review of what he did in that match, you'll see what I'm saying. Like, he just did kicks and stomps the whole match and this is what you see in most of Finn Balor's matches it's just kicks and stomps you know what I'm saying and and like I said not to be not to spin too far off the subject but you know this is the reason why I don't like Nakamura because he's a guy who does kicks and knees he's the kick and knee guy Balor is the kick and stomp guy so it's like if this is all these guys are going to do during a match I'm not into it I don't like that that's not the kind of Thing that I like to see in, in something that's supposed to be a wrestling match. You know, if it's a wrestling match, I want to see wrestling. I don't want to see kicks and stomps and kicks and knees. I mean, I, I get it. You have to do it sometime. You have to do it every once in a while. You know, sprinkle a little bit into a match. But if you make the whole match based on kicks and stomps or kicks and knees, you're completely separating the wrestling element from the brawling element and you're pretty much just making it a brawl you're pretty much taking the wrestling element away from the match and just making it a brawl you know I mean of course you're gonna have your brawlers in wrestling but at least do a move or two you know what I'm saying do do at least a body slam or, or something you know what I'm saying some kind of submission hold or a body slam or, or a suplex, something, you know, it's give, me, give me something. That's all I ask for, you know, and, and a lot of times I'm not seeing that with those guys, you know, with, with Balor and Nakamura, I don't see it. I don't see those guys doing a lot of wrestling. That's just plain and simple, cut and dry. That is it. And like I said, I know a lot of people are going to disagree. A lot of people are going to get mad. A lot of people are going to say the same old rhetoric that I see all the time. They're going to say, well, look at what he did in Japan. Look at what he did in NXT. Yeah, but... I looked at those guys in NXT, and honestly, uh, there was a point, I guess there was a point in NXT where Balor was a little better, you know, but um, it, it's pretty much when he's in there with somebody who can match him or somebody that's better than him. Somebody like Neville, 
for example, Neville, Neville versus Balor in NXT, that was a good match. Okay, that's one good example. So you can't tell me I hate the guy because it's not a hate thing. It's not a hate issue whatsoever. It's a truth issue because I like to see wrestling. That's it. You know what I'm saying? I'm not guilty for wanting to see a wrestling match, you know, and just throw it out there. And also about the Japan thing, it's like, you know, well, look at what he did in Japan. He did this and that in Japan. Yeah, but this ain't Japan, ladies and gentlemen. This is America. You know what I'm saying? They're currently in WWE. They're not currently in Japan. And honestly, if they're so great, why should I have to go back four or five years ago just to see them do something that's supposed to be great, which probably isn't really that great altogether anyway, but, you know, maybe I will. Hey, you know what? Maybe I will go back and watch some of what they did in Japan just to try to find this amazing greatness that people are talking about because I really want to see it. You know, I'm tired of hearing about it. I want to see it. Show me something. Direct me to something. Send me a link. That's an option. I'm available on social media. I'm available on Twitter. I'm available on Instagram. I'm available on Facebook. I'm available on YouTube. I'm available on Pinterest. I'm available on pretty much every major social media platform that's out right now. You could find me. You know, write to me. Send me a link. Send me something to where I could see Nakamura and Balor doing these excellent, incredible moves and incredible matches and this and that. Not some match where they were carried by a wrestler that's better than them, because that happens this day and age. This, you know, this is what's happening right now. Like AJ Styles and Nakamura, you know, another example. You know, not to get too far off a subject, but we're, we're on WWE, and this is what I'm talking about. Nakamura, AJ Styles. Let's lay that down. All right, like I said before, we're gonna make this short and sweet. By the way, I'm gonna lay it down. AJ Styles does all the work. Nakamura does kicks and knees. You know what I'm saying? That's all he did as a face, and that's all he's doing as a heel. He's not any different. You know what I'm saying? Just to throw it out there, but I'll get back on that subject when the time is right. But let's get back to Monday Night Raw because I spun too far off once again. Sorry about that. It happens. Anyway, so let's get back to the subject at hand. We left off with the finish of the match, um, and this is where Balor was going for his second coup de grace, his double stomp from the top rope. He was going for the second one in a row on Braun Strowman to try to put him away. And I questioned, would they have actually put Balor over in that match? I don't really think they should have because Balor is a cruiserweight. Strowman is a super heavyweight. He is a huge man. You know, he stood toe-to-toe with Lesnar. And, and Lesnar looked like an average big guy compared to Strowman. Strowman is a large, large man. You know, and that's without question. Okay, okay let's move along to how the match ended. Balor was on the top rope getting ready to finish off, or not, you know, getting ready to do his second finish on Braun Strowman. I'm not going to say finish off because I don't know if that would have even finished Strowman, but it really shouldn't have. Anyway, Owens came out, and he pretty much shoved Balor off the top rope, and that's what led to the DQ finish. So Balor did win the match, so for all you Balor fans, I mean, because, you know, when a match ends that way, when it ends in a DQ fashion to where, uh, let's say, the guy that was attacked, you know, gets attacked during the match. Referee calls for the bell, DQ. So the guy who was attacked gets the victory when a DQ takes place because it's seen as a move in the favor of his opponent. So the match is rewarded to the guy who was attacked, the guy or a girl for that matter, because it applies to both, you know, not trying to discriminate. So uh, anyway, Owens comes out, messes up the match, and... That's pretty much the end of that story. It's a wrap from that point on. So, after match number one, we had a recap 
of what happened between Jinder Mahal and Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins from the other week. Um, I believe that was last week. Yes, it was last week. It was when Jinder Mahal had emerged from backstage with a steel chair and attacked Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns when they were on their way backstage after the tag team matchup between, what was it, Rollins and Reigns versus Jinder Mahal and, was it Jinder Mahal and Owens or was it, hold up, I really can't even remember who Jinder Mahal's partner was, honestly. Um, Remind me, uh, remind me when it comes up again, Um, because I honestly can't remember, so remind me, uh, ladies and gentlemen, remind me, please. Anyway. We had a recap of what had happened between these uh, folks. And then they pretty much ran a Money in the Bank ad. They're doing a lot of that because, of course, they're WWE and they have to do a lot of advertising to get their product out there and to be recognized and to try to draw a large viewership. And I don't know. I mean, well, when it comes to the network, I don't think viewership really matters anymore. But... uh, they're really just trying to draw an audience, you know, they're trying to get people to buy tickets too, because I'm pretty sure they have not sold all their tickets yet. Um, I haven't confirmed that, but I can. Um, just not at this point in time, I won't, uh, because there's more important things to discuss here. So we had a backstage segment, which consisted of Kevin Owens trying to leave the arena because um, actually, yeah, after he interfered in the match between, uh, was it Strowman and Balor? Owens had interfered, and then I think um, what had happened after that? Strowman, I think he chased Owens backstage. He st- no, 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 no. This is what happened. Strowman, he somehow he got a ladder from somewhere, I believe, and like tossed a ladder at Owens as he was trying to escape. Yes, yes, yes. That's what I remember. That's what I remember. Yeah, it was um, Strowman. Had, I can't even remember where he got the ladder from. I think he just you know, looked under the ring and just grabbed a ladder, I think, and then just, I think he put it in the ring, got back in there, picked up the ladder, and tossed it at Owens as Owens was trying to make his escape up the ramp and go backstage. Okay, so this is what brings us to the backstage segment of Owens Owens trying to leave the arena. And he starts making these excuses. Oh, it's Memorial Day, and yada, yada, yada. He comes up with all these excuses when he runs into Kurt Angle, and Kurt Angle's like, no, you're not going anywhere. And he pretty much, he books Owens in a match against Bobby Roode, later on in the show and from that point on we went on to one of those uh you know one of those selfie promos that wrestlers are starting to do now uh which i think is honestly kind of odd but i don't know i mean if it works it works it's fine i know it's the new day you know what i'm saying it's it's what am i talking about that it's a new day what am i about to start singing no anyway like i was saying this day and age yeah you can expect that kind of thing you know just a lot of recording and social media advertisements and so on and so forth Anyway, it's not a strange thing to see, but anyway, let's move along. So, we had another segment. This one consisted of Elias Sampson. Uh, he was in the ring, and, you know, his segment was kind of long this time. You know, he did his little normal thing, Hello, I'm Elias, Who Wants to Walk with Elias, tries to play his song. This time he's interrupted by Seth Rollins, you know, because Seth Rollins had a match coming up, and it's like, you know, Elias was just in the ring trying to, you know, play a song, and Seth Rollins was like, okay, it's match time. You know, so he pretty much comes out there and confronts Elias face-to-face and sends him on his way out of the ring. And then we have Jinder Mahal coming down to the ring because this led us to match number two. It was Jinder Mahal versus Seth Rollins for the Intercontinental title, so the belt was on the line. Okay, so the match went this way. Uh, Rollins pretty much dominated the start of the, the, start of the match. Jinder Mahal... Uh, it was a point where he got the upper hand as well, 
And then we got to a point where uh, Jinder Mahal locked in a pretty strong um, classic abdominal stretch. And I don't see a lot of that these days, you know, especially in the fashion and the way that Jinder did it. He did like an, a modified abdominal stretch. He didn't do the basic one. He did the one where you just lock it completely in. Um, I'd have to, <laughs> I'd actually have to demonstrate that too. So, you know, but you, you get what I mean. I mean, if you, if you watched it, you would know what I'm talking about. But he locked in a pretty strong abdominal stretch. And, you know, then he's pretty much just brawling on Seth, you know, just beating him down. And, you know, match goes along. Seth Rollins gets the upper hand. He hits the sling blade, hits a suicide dive, hits a blockbuster, all in succession, by the way, because you know how Seth Rollins is. A Seth Rollins match is going to be a really, really busy match, a really action-packed match. So he makes sure he gives you a lot, which I really appreciate about Seth, you know. And strangely enough, I found out the other day that a lot of people you know, really don't like Seth Rollins. And it's like, I don't know how, how can you not like Seth Rollins? I mean, the guy is good in all departments, He's, you know, but then people say, oh, he's not good in a microphone. He sucks on the microphone. Yeah, but you know who else sucks on the microphone? Nakamura, Brock Lesnar, Finn Balor, Rusev, you know what I'm saying? Or, or Asuka, you know what I'm saying? Are, are they getting heat for being bad on the microphone? No. You know, they, they, they can get a pass, but Seth Rollins can't. Honestly, Seth Rollins is not that bad on the microphone. He's good on the microphone, but he's even better on the microphone as a heel. You know, heel Seth Rollins, he was really, really good. He was really good on the microphone. In fact, out of the shield, he was probably the best on the microphone. You know, Seth and Dean are, are pretty good on the microphone. Reigns is not that good. We all know that. That's no secret. But Reigns makes up for it in the ring. He's, he's good enough in the ring. He's not always good. Sometimes his matches are lackluster. Sometimes they're good. You know, it, it varies. You never know what you're going to get with Roman Reigns. But anyway, not to get too far off the subject here, we left off on Jinder Mahal, Seth Rollins. Um, it got to a point where, like I said, you know, Seth Rollins was just on a roll. He was on a streak. You know, he was getting busy, as we used to say back in the 90s. Um, Jinder Mahal had made a comeback, and then there was like an exchange. Um, it was There was a series of exchanges, you know, and good ones at that. And that eventually led to Seth Rollins pulling off the Falcon Arrow uh, suplex. I, I consider that like a suplex. I don't know what you guys, you guys might consider it a slam. I consider it a suplex because it's executed very similar to a suplex. But it's also a slam at the same time. So it's kind of like a mix, a cross between a suplex and a slam. But anyway, you get what I mean. Sunil Singh interfered in the match um, or tried to interfere. And then he was barred from ringside by the referee. And, you know, the referee sent him on his way. The match continued. Jinder Mahal uh, used a chair to the midsection on Seth Rollins while the referee wasn't paying attention. And then the ref, you know, was just, you know, he was distracted for a little while. That's how Jinder was able to pull that off is what I'm saying. And this is what happens. Jinder tries to get the pin after he hit Rollins with the chair. Seth kicks out, you know, and which is good. Uh, Seth kicks out of a lot of things, actually. He's, he's really tough. He's proven himself. All right, he kicked out. Sunil Singh uh, returns, and Seth Rollins, I think he, he kind of like pulls him into the ring. Somehow he ends up in the ring at some point. And Seth, it gets to a point where Seth Rollins buckle bombs the Singh brother into gender in the corner, and I thought that was pretty cool. Um, it made the match kind of awkward, but it was cool. Um, and then Seth... Eventually, you know, he grabbed a chair. You know, he just got fed up. He grabbed a chair. He hit Jinder Mahal, and then, you know, the match ended by DQ. So, Jinder, he pretty much gave Jinder that win. So, it's a DQ win for Jinder Mahal 
at the end of the day. Um, then, let me see. Singh brother got hit with the chair by Seth Rollins because Seth Rollins clock, clocked him with it. Um, I think he continued. He hit him a couple times, if I'm not mistaken. And then, uh, he, he, yeah, he hit gender too. I remember that. My photo, my photogenic memory is telling me that, yeah, you know that he hit uh, Jinder Mahal as well, and you know Jinder Mahal pretty much started cowering and running from him. Um, Seth Rollins, you know, made his way to the commentary table area on the upper part of the stage, and he stood up there and he was like, you know, raising his hand in victory, and just out of nowhere, Elias just smashes the guitar over his back and knocks him off the table, onto the floor below. It was at least, I'd say that was at least a good maybe eight foot drop maybe i don't know some it's somewhere in that range i would say seth rollins fell you know because between the little stage and the commentary table you know the table being stacked on a little stage area i'd say that's roughly about eight feet something like something in that range somewhere between seven and eight feet would be my estimation but that's about the distance that seth rollins fell from after elias smashed a guitar on his back and then, you know, Seth Rollins was pretty much um, carried out on a stretcher. They, well, they tried to carry him out on a stretcher, but then, you know, he played stubborn and got up, and then he was helped to the back by Jamie Noble and some of the other WWE officials. So that's pretty much how that ended. And then we, we crashed into a commercial break, crashed into a replay of Seth Rollins, you know, being on the stretcher and being carried out by the officials. And then we get on to match number three. And I say match number three, I put that in question because was this really a match or a segment? I mean, this seemed to be more of a segment, but it was a part of a match as well. It was, it was, it was just, it was strange because Nia Jax, it came out, she made her entrance, you know, and then she was, you know, before she could even get all the way into the ring, Ronda Rousey's entrance theme hits. And Ronda Rousey comes out, makes her way to the commentary table. And then, you know, Nia Jax continues on into the ring. Um, and then she puts on a demonstration of, you know, Ronda Rousey's arm bar. She has her opponent, which is a visitor, by the way, or, or a.k.a. a local talent, an unknown local talent. Um, she has the visitor put the arm bar on her so she can demonstrate to Ronda Rousey how easily she can counter it. And Nia Jax went on to counter the armbar into a power bomb, and it was a vicious slam. It was very, very vicious. Um, I'm pretty sure that hurt. You know, I mean, like as hard as she, you know, Nia slammed that girl down. I mean, that was that was really, really vicious. Um, and then she hits the Samoan drop on the girl, and then she gets, you know, then she just keeps talking on the microphone. She's out there talking to Ronda Rousey. You know, as Rousey sits at the commentary table, Nia's just talking to her on the microphone and then, you know, doing move by move on her opponent, you know, and, and which is what, which is why I kind of found this a little weird, you know, it's just kind of odd, it was awkward. Um, but at this point in time, this pretty much lets you know that Nia Jax has officially turned heel, you know, and, and now that she's a heel, you know, I guess this is going to be, this is going to build up to the match that we're going into at Money in the Bank for the woman's title. So um, anyway, I mean, this this is one thing that's been discussed online uh, in, in recent times, and it's that Ronda Rousey is probably getting too much too soon. I can strongly agree with that because if I'm not mistaken, 
um, if there hasn't been any house show where Ronda Rousey has had like a singles match, I believe this is going to be her first at Money in the Bank. This is going to be her first singles match, and she's going into her first singles match getting a shot at the woman's title instantly. And she's pretty much getting this off of her name. I'm going to say it. Um, I don't hate Ronda Rousey. I mean, I think she's pretty cool. She's really, really talented. And she seems to be a genuinely nice person. You know, and that, I like that. I like those qualities. I think she's incredible. But I don't think she should be getting a title shot already. You know, I think she should have to work for it, like, like a lot of the other female wrestlers did. You know, it's like if you want to come into wrestling, you should have to earn your way. But, you know, some people just don't. You know, just, just like Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar never earned his way. He always got the easy ticket. He never had to be a tag team champion. He never had to be an intercontinental champion. Never had to be U.S. champion. Um, he just, you know, skyrocketed it right to the WWE title. And that's 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 it. All he's been getting is main event titles. But um, anyway, moving along uh, to what we were talking about. It was Ronda Rousey, Nia Jax. Nia Jax uh, officially turned heel. And she made it abundantly clear and she kept calling out Ronda Rousey as she was sitting at the commentary table. And, you know, and Nia Jax was just pretty much beating up her opponent and talking to Ronda Rousey, like, simultaneously. Um, Nia eventually put her opponent away with the rolling senton, and then she summoned Ronda Rousey to the ring, you know, from the commentary table area. And what did this lead to? I really don't remember. I don't think it went far. I think yeah, pretty much. Yeah, th this is this is what I remember happening. Uh, Ronda Rousey came out there to meet Nia face to face, and Nia pretty much laughed at her and turned her back and walked away. That's pretty much how that ended. So it was pretty awkward. Uh, I don't know what you guys thought about that. I know a lot of you guys probably thought it was boring. You probably thought it sucked. I don't know. I understand. Um, it wasn't a great segment. It was rather odd at some points and kind of confusing as well. Um, you guys feel free to comment, you know, tell me what you thought about it uh, because I thought, I thought it was an awkward, I thought it was awkward to be completely honest. So, but anyway, let's move along to what had happened. We had, uh, match number four after that tag team title or hold on, was this a tag title? Yes, it was a tag team title match. And this one was strange. This was Matt Hardy, broken Matt Hardy or woken Matt Hardy in WWE, Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt versus the Ascension. So, like, where do they pull these jobbers' ascension up? I mean, a lot of people say, oh, they were great in NXT, they were great in NXT. Um, I didn't see those guys in NXT. Um, I wasn't watching NXT, honestly. I mean, because I really don't watch NXT. I made that abundantly clear before. But just in case you're new and you're tuning in, um, I'm not big on NXT. Sometimes I tune in. I'm not completely ignorant to it either because sometimes I do tune in to see what's going on. Or if they get one of my favorite wrestlers from another organization, such as TNA Impact or uh, ROH or one of those organizations, I will watch. Um, I just don't always watch it. I don't watch it, you know, because there's just too much wrestling to watch. There's too much to keep up with. So I keep it short and sweet. I keep it to the main roster because I don't want to just have to do a million episodes on a million shows because WWE has too much. And for some reason, Vince McMahon seems to think more is better, and it's really, really not. That's not always the case. You know, sometimes less is better, and that's just the bottom line. And you can apply that to many situations in life, to be completely honest. Anyway, Ascension, where do they pull these guys up from? Because, you know, um, 
they didn't do anything with those guys on SmackDown, really. They, they may have had a couple appearances. They had some appearances with uh, Tyler Breeze and Fandango backstage when they were doing their whole fashion police gimmick and all that stuff, but they didn't, you know, they didn't really make it anywhere on SmackDown. So I don't know. Maybe they're trying to do a little something with them on Raw. Like, wh- but honestly, where did where did they get where did they get this title shot? Why did they get a free title shot? Like, who did they beat? What have they done? to earn a title shot against Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt. I mean, we're talking about Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt. I mean, let's remember who these guys are. Matt Hardy, multiple-time champion in many different organizations, not just WWE. You know what I'm saying? Tag team champion, world heavyweight champion, uh, so many other kinds of championships. Man, he, he has a long line of championship history, uh, a long line of opponents. He's wrestled legends he's been in there with the best been in there with the Dudleys been in there with Edge and Christian been in there with so many big name wrestlers we're talking the legendary Matt Hardy here you know what I'm saying and Bray Wyatt is you know become a legend in his own way uh he's just not being utilized correctly in WWE at this point in time but let's remember who Bray Wyatt is Bray Wyatt is a former WWE champion a former WWE champion who once defeated AJ Styles and John Cena not only in the same night but in the same match beat John Cena and AJ Styles in the same match to become WWE champion let's not forget that ladies and gentlemen that is something that no other wrestler can say that they did you know just like Seth Rollins has his exclu- has, has his exclusive moment when he defeated Roman Reigns and John Cena back to back not only in the same night, but in the same match. And that gauntlet mat- match that Seth Rollins had a couple months back. You know, that was amazing. That's something you can't forget. But anyway, like I said, remember who Bray Wyatt and Jeff Hardy are. These are accomplished superstars. Also also to mention, Bray Wyatt's a former tag team champion. It was short-lived. You know, he was a tag team champion with Randy Orton. You know, and, and Bray Wyatt has been there. He's been paying dues. Well, Ascension has been has been paying dues for years too but still I mean when you do a comparison between the two teams it's like why do these two get the tag team title shot why didn't they have to beat any other tag teams on the roster you know what why I'm lost here I'm lost like I don't know what you guys got to say about it I don't know what you guys think about it but I just feel like they got a title shot from out of nowhere for free and it's like, why? I'm just lost on that. But I'm going to move along because I don't want to have you waiting forever to get to the next talking point here. Anyway, the match ended via... Um, now they have a name for this move. It's pretty much a double Sister Ab- Abigail kind of move where Hardy and Wyatt takes them down for the Sister Abigail. But now they call it the Kiss of Deletion. And they got that move, I believe, on the one that they call Victor... And uh, Jeff Hardy scored a three count on, on Victor, I believe. If I'm wrong, correct me, please. Because like I said, I make mistakes. I'm not perfect. Correct me if I'm wrong. All right. Moving along to the backstage segment of Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel, a.k.a. they're now known as the B team, by the way. Um, they approached Kurt Angle, asking for a title shot. Um, Kurt Angle says no, pretty much. That's pretty much what it boiled down to. And Curtis Axel and Bo Dallas came up with the idea of doing a Memorial Day barbecue 
pretty much to bribe the other tag teams to let them move up to the number one contendership for the tag team titles. And this didn't go so well. Um, let me see. And they, they pretty much vanished. They, they disappeared after that point. But then we move along to the Riot Squad promo. Ruby Riot was just, you know, there cutting the promo. The other girls putting in their words as well. Um, and, you know, they, you know, pretty much she, she's prepared for this uh, main event match, the gauntlet match for the, you know, the final qualifier for Money in the Bank, I believe. Or no, this is what they call the second chance Money in the Bank match. Correction, correction. All right. So, moving along to, what do we have? We had match number five, okay, match number five, which consisted of Bobby Roode and Kevin Owens, and this was the Battle of the Canadians, by the way, which is uh, something a lot of people probably didn't re uh, remember or even think of, but yes, it was the Battle of the Canadians. I like both of them. Uh, who would I root for in this match? I would have to say Bobby Roode, because I've been following him much longer. Um, and I and I really enjoyed his work over in TNA, and I believe he's actually still the longest reigning TNA champion to this day. I still don't think nobody's beaten his record over there. So uh, I guess kudos to Bobby Roode. Anyway, like I said, I'd be rooting for Bobby Roode because I've been following him longer. I've been a fan of him longer, and I just like to be loyal to my favorites. I don't sell out like some fans do. Um, so Bobby Roode coming in as the face, Owens coming in as the heel, you know, as expected. And they had really good chemistry. They actually, they had great chemistry in the ring together, you know, and it was great to see those two have a match, a one-on-one, -on -one, you know, and it was pretty cool. Um, it's pretty much a seesaw match. You know, they both both got their moves off. You know, they both looked really good in there. Um, what else happened? We had pretty much Owens winning with a reversal of the sunset flip on Bobby Roode, and he gets a pin. He gets a three count on Bobby Roode. And pretty much, it it amounts to Bobby Roode eating another eat, eating another pin. He ate another pin. He ate another loss. And you know why? You know why? Because uh, I think last week he lost to Elias, if I'm not mistaken. But he, you know, pretty much Roode has been on a losing streak. And I believe this may be attributed to the fact that something I seen on social media the other day. I don't know if this is true. This could be false. It could be a rumor. But this is what I heard. I heard that Vince McMahon is actually uh, losing interest in Bobby Roode because he's not supposedly not getting over with the crowd enough. Like when he was on SmackDown, I heard possibly Vince McMahon had lost interest at that point because he didn't feel like Bobby Roode is getting over like he should be. And I guess rightfully so to an extent, you know, Bobby Roode is kind of losing his steam, unfortunately, because I really feel like, you know, he, he had a lot of potential. He could have been that guy, you know, he could have been possibly the level of AJ Styles but unfortunately it's not happening and he's being jobbed you know he, he's he's being I don't know they have him in a jobber position and, I, and I'm not liking that I'm not comfortable with that I really feel like he should be in like if he's going to be in the mid card he should at least be in the upper mid card that's that's the way I feel about that because he, he's honestly one of those great wrestlers he's one of those better wrestlers on the roster and it's it's a shame. It's a really it's really unfortunate that he's not getting, you know, his due. You know, he's not getting the dues that he paid. You know, he paid a lot of dues, but he's not getting his. He's not getting. I don't feel like he's getting the push that he deserves. Pretty much, that's what it boils down to. But um, yeah, great competitor, man. Just a great competitor. Bobby Roode is just excellent, man. But I just 
it's a shame he's being done this way. Um, he, he was the U.S. champion earlier this year, but at the same time, it was a very short-lived reign. But at the same time, the other side of that argument is that it was, a, it was during a time where WWE was playing hot potato with the U.S. title because pretty much over the course of like a month or two, I think like three different people had the U.S. belt. Uh, at first, was it, uh, who was it? Who was it at first? Was it, I think it was Jinder Mahal who had had it first. And then Randy Orton took it off of him. And then I think Bobby Roode took it off of Orton. And then it, it, then it went back to Orton, if I'm not mistaken. I'm probably mistaken, but I'm probably mistaken. But if I am, correct me. Um, but that's pretty much the way I remember it happening when I, when I think back. But I do know that they were playing hot potato with the belt during that time, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe that was just the case, or maybe they just felt like, okay, we'll give Root a taste of it, and then we'll take it right off of him. But it's very unfortunate. Um, what are they going to do with Bobby Root on Monday Night Raw? I don't know. I really, really hope the best for him. I mean, he's one of my favorites. I don't like seeing him being jobbed out. But, I mean, let's be completely honest here. Let's dig back into history, because honestly, some of my very favorite wrestlers have never been WWE champion. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, for example, uh, Mr. Perfect, you know, never WWF champion, never WWE champion. Uh, he, he, let me see, Kurt Hennig came back to WWF or WWE in the earlier 2000s, I believe, and they didn't do much with him. Um, yeah, he was, he was one of my all-time favorites, never WWF champion or WWE champion. Uh, Rick Rude, never WWF or WWE champion. Uh, Billy Gunn, never WWF or WWE champion, but it was truly one of the better wrestlers that they had on the roster back in back in the day. Um, who else? Brian Pillman. Uh, he was another great wrestler, you know, who was never WWF or WWE champion. Um, but let's say WWF because it was WWF during the time that he was there. So I'm going to call it WWF champion. Uh, Owen Hart. Owen Hart, another one, who was never WWF champion. British Bulldog, never WWF champion, one of my all-time favorites. You know, those guys were incredible. You know, they were incredibly talented, incredibly gifted, but were never WWF champions. Um, who else? Who else goes into this category? Um, it's just so many, so, so many great wrestlers, you know, who have been there throughout history and have never been WWF or WWE champion. And it's just, you know, sometimes... I don't know. I, I guess it's fair in a way because I guess you know you can't have you can't put the belt on everybody, and that's understandable. Um, so I get that. It's just you know I just feel that some wrestlers have paid enough dues and 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 you know won enough great matches and put on enough great performances. But I don't know. I guess at the end of the day, it's all about the almighty dollar to Vince McMahon because if you're not a big enough draw, I'm not you know he's not going to put the belt on you. I guess. I mean, I don't know. Wrestling works in really strange ways, you know. It's really political sometimes, and it's really biased sometimes. It's really unfair at times, you know. It's just, you know, the business works that way. It works in many ways. Um, it works in good ways. It works in bad ways. It has a lot of pros and cons, just like everything else. So, um, moving along, because uh, I really didn't mean for this episode to be this long, because we're, we're reaching the one-hour point. We're getting close to the one-hour point. We're at the 51-minute point, so... Um, yeah, because I, I don't like to be that guy. I don't like to be the guy to have the super long podcast. I don't want to bore you to death. I don't want to take too much time out of your day. I like to try to make things quick. So the SmackDown one will be much quicker than this one. So just getting that out there. Anyway, 
right, so let's, let's get back to the point here. All right, we had the Battle of the Canadians, Bobby Roode, Kevin Owens. Owens wins uh, with a reversal to the sunset flip. And Bobby Roode eats another loss because supposedly Vince McMahon is not sold on him. He pretty much gave up on him. So, uh, like I said, I hope that's not the case. I hope he doesn't get completely buried, if anything. I mean, if he's going to be a mid-carder, hopefully he's an upper mid-carder. If not, I don't know. I guess he'll do fine in the mid-carder. I just hope they don't completely job him. Like, like, please don't job this guy out, is what I'm saying. All right, so this is the point where Strowman uh, caught up with Owens. Uh, he had him trapped. You know, there was no way for him to run because Owens, you know, he was done with his match, and Strowman was like, here I am. And Strowman hits uh, two finishers, two of his running power slams, which reminds me of British Bulldog, by the way. Two of his running power slams on Kevin Owens. And Bobby Roode's sitting back cheering him on, like, go get him, man. Yeah, get him. You know, and Bobby Roode just sits on the top rope, you know, just enjoying the show. And then before you know it, Strowman just turns around and grabs Bobby Roode by the neck and just, you know, delivers a finish to him next. And, he, you know, it's like, you can get it too. Because, you know, at Money in the Bank, it's every man for himself. So fair game. It's on. All right. So then we move on to another Sami Zayn segment, a Sami Zayn and Lashley segment. Um, and this pretty much boils down to the match at Money in the Bank. I believe uh, Lashley had came down and challenged Zayn to a match. Excuse me. Indigestion. Lashley had came down to the ring and indigestion again. Sorry about that. Lashley had came down to the ring to challenge Sami Zayn to a Money in the Bank match, and Zayn accepted, you know, and he pretty much said, I gave you what you want, extended his hand to shake his hand. Bobby Lashley just squeezes his hand so hard he's got him on his knees, begging and pleading with him, you know, and then Lashley just leaves like, I got you, you know. And I, I think the crowd kind of liked that. Um, and this is another thing. It's like Bobby Lashley is having difficulty getting over too, and this is unfortunate because you know, I had high hopes for him because he was doing really, really good in TNA or Impact Wrestling. He was doing very well over there. He was a main eventer. He was a star. He was do having great matches. You know, he was great on, the, you know, really good on the microphone. He got much better on the microphone than he was during his first WWE run. So, you know, I had high hopes for Lashley, but I don't know how far he's going to get or how far he's not going to get because. I don't know. He's not getting over. And if you don't get over, if you're not a draw, if you're not going to sell a lot of merchandise, you're probably not going to get that big push by, you know, from Vince McMahon. And this is honestly one of the reasons why Roman Reigns, you know, still gets pushed because he's a merchandise seller. He's a draw. You know, he's making that money. He's drawing money for the company, you know, and, and this is why he still gets the big push. You know, if you make Vince McMahon a lot of money, he's going to reward you for it. You know, it's like, you're making me money, so I'm gonna make you money. I'm, you know, you're gonna make more money because you're making me more money. You know, that's the way he works, in most cases, anyway. But uh, anyway, let's move along. So we're getting past Lashley and Zayn, the Lashley and Zayn segment, and then we got on to um, match number six. Then this was a uh, Drew Galloway versus Chad Gable. And, of course, Drew dominates. You know, he's a big, strong, powerful guy. And he's another guy that I hope makes it, too. I hope Drew makes it because he's got everything. He's got the mic skills. He's got the in-ring skills. He's big. He's strong. He's powerful and dangerous. Like, pretty much, I hope he gets the kind of push that Big Cass is getting. 
I hope he gets into the upper mid card. You know, I hope he gets far along in the business. I don't know. I mean, I hear that uh, Kevin Dunn, you know, some of the producers in Vince McMahon are not big on wrestlers who have accents, unless they're Irish, of course. And these are the, and, and, and here's another thing. I think Vince McMahon has an Irish bias because, you know, he has an Irish name. He comes from Irish ancestry. And notice how Becky Lynch, Finn Balor, and Sheamus pretty kind of got an easy ticket in the game. I'm not saying they never paid their dues because they certainly did. But in WWE, you know, Vince McMahon made sure each one of them, made, made sure, you know, that he put a belt on each one of them, you know. But did he put a belt on anybody from Scotland yet? No. So we're waiting to see. Um, I don't know. I'm just saying I'm talking about this point in time. I'm not talking about the past. I'm talking about the present right now and the foreseeable future. So do you believe, and this is a serious question. I want you guys to answer this if you listen to this show. I want you guys to answer this. Do you believe that Vince McMahon is going to put a belt on Drew Galloway this time. Because I really, really hope so. I really hope he does. I really hope he's a success. He should be. He's got everything it takes to be there. And he proved that also. He he proved that when he was in Impact. He proved that when he was in TNA. I seen his work over there and it was incredible. He even did like a, um, what was it, like a diving plancha over the top rope. You know what I'm saying? Like, And, and a guy of that size to be able to do that is freaking amazing. You know? But anyway, moving along. Of course, uh, Drew Galloway dominated the match, and he won the match. Um, and, of course, another rumor was debunked because Jason Jordan did not come back. Uh, because prior to this episode of Raw, there was a lot of speculation and rumors that Jason Jordan was going to come back. I don't know. At the most, he may have been backstage, but he did not make an appearance. He didn't make any public appearance. He did not show his face or even mention him. So that was wrong. Um, then we had an in-ring segment. Oh, and this was the whole barbecue thing between Bo Dallas and Kurt Axel that I was talking about earlier. Uh, they put together like kind of like a, let's call it a ghetto or bootleg barbecue thing where they had like bologna sandwiches and hot dogs and bratwurst and, uh, hey, they had potato salad. Potato salad is awesome, though. You know, that, that I would have picked out on that. I love potato salad. That's one thing that I like. Potato salad is my weakness sometimes. And honestly, I need to make some of that one day, honestly. That potato salad is awesome. I don't care what nobody says. It is awesome. Anyway, moving along, ladies and gentlemen. Um, all right, they had a little bootleg barbecue thing. They had all the tag teams out there. They had Ascension, Titus Worldwide, and everybody else, pretty much. And that pretty much evolved into a food fight. Because, you know, the rest of the tag teams are like, no, we're not going to let you guys jump up ahead of us to get a title shot. You know, and of course they were going to shoot that down. All right, so then we move along to match number seven. And match number seven consisted of the seven-woman gauntlet match. And there were seven different females in this match. And let me see. What do we got here? All right, yeah, I just got a notification that, you know, the CM Punk and was it CM Punk and Colt Cabana trial thing is coming up today. Anyway, just had to throw it out there. It came up on my feed. All right, but anyway, moving along. Uh, it was a seven-woman gauntlet match, which consisted of who was it? Mickey James, Ruby Riot, I believe Natalia, uh, Sarah Logan, Liv Morgan, Sasha Banks, 
and Bailey. Seven females. All right. And honestly, the standouts of this match, well, I say the standout of this match was Ruby Riot. She really got a chance to showcase her skills and show what she has, and she was amazing. I enjoyed what she did. I like her look. Her look is unique. She doesn't look like the rest of the girls. Um, she has it all. She has it all. Um, Mike skills, I think she's a pretty good talker. She can hold her own on the microphone. She's not scared to talk in front of the crowd. Um, she's good. She's good all around. She's really well-rounded. She's still really young. Um, she's like 27, so she has plenty of years left. Um, I, I really wish the best for her. She is a really, really good talent. I think she's a gem. She, she's a really, real standout wrestler. Just pretty much like, she's what, uh, she's pretty much what Tessa Blanchard is to Impact Wrestling right now. She's, she's a standout star. You know, she doesn't look like the other girls, and she's just really, really good, and she moves well, and she can wrestle with the best of them. I've seen her go. I've seen her go against Charlotte, and, you know, from that match on, that's when I really, really noticed, like, hey, she's really, really good. I like her. You know, uh, you know, that's the night where I officially found respect for her. I was like, you know, this girl is amazing. Like, wow. Like, I, I never knew she was this good. You know, like, I wish I had discovered her sooner. But, um, anyway, that's pretty much the match. Uh, the match was great. You know, like I said, Ruby Riot was the standout in my opinion. I, you know, th this could just be my opinion. Uh, a lot of other people will probably agree. I know some will disagree. I know some people probably hate Ruby Riot, and that's fine. That's your right. But as a fan, I greatly, I thoroughly enjoy what she does, and I respect what she does. I think she's incredible, um, and I think she's the future of wrestling. As long as she gets the right push, as long as she doesn't get buried or jobbed out, she could be the future of female wrestling. Um, all right. So the winner of this match ended up being Sasha Banks. Ruby Riot, she uh, scratched and clawed her way all the way through that match until her last opponent. I think she beat she beat Mickey James. She beat. Bailey, uh, I think she even beat Natalia or somebody like that. I can't remember exactly how it went, but she beat several, you know, big name wrestlers in that one match. You know, she got to showcase her skills and she did very well. It's just that Sasha Banks went over. Why? I don't know. Um, should Sasha Banks win the money in the bank? I don't think so. Because honestly, between her and Charlotte, you know, all the matches they had and the way they bounced the title back and forth, the way they played hot potato with the woman's title. I really don't want to see Sasha Banks with the title. I mean, I don't know what you, I mean, tell me what you guys think about that because I, I, I don't want to see it. I've seen it enough. I've seen Sasha Banks with the belt more than enough times already. And I think at this point in time, it's time for somebody new to have the belt, somebody who hasn't had it yet. You know, Mickey James had the belt six times. You know, Natalia had the, uh, had the belt more than once. Uh, who else had the belt? Uh, Bailey had the belt even once. You know what I'm saying? Uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe Bailey should get another chance. I don't know. She only had it one time, uh, or maybe that one time is just good enough. Maybe that's all she needs. Because honestly, Bailey is pretty much the resident jobber at this point, unfortunately, because she's really talented as well. It's just she doesn't get a chance to showcase it. She doesn't get a chance to really show it. You know, and she's honestly great. Um, but yeah, uh, pretty much like I said. I mean, I think the title should go to somebody new. You know, it's a new year. Well, it's not new anymore, but it's a different year. Put the belt on somebody different, you know. But, you know, I don't want to see Sasha Banks with the belt again. I mean, so, some, some of her fans probably do. I'm sure they do. And that's fine. That, you know, I respect that. You know, she, she's a good pick. But at the same time, 
Sasha Banks botches a lot. I have noticed that as well. Um, she could be potentially dangerous in that ring if she doesn't tighten up her craft. You know, she can be really good too. It's, it, you know, I'm not knocking her. I'm not saying I hate her. I'm just saying she can be better in the ring if she could just be more careful. You know, because I don't want to see anybody get hurt. I don't want to see anybody get seriously injured or paralyzed. But it could happen. You know, especially in a Sasha Banks match. She was known for injuring Emma, I think, last year. Putting Emma on the shelf for a while. And um, she recently uh, injured Paige. Kicked her in the back. Messed her spine up and pretty much ended her career. Put her on the shelf. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that was completely Sasha's fault. But they say that's the catalyst. That's pretty much what caused it. So... It's really unfortunate. Like I said, I don't want to see anybody else get hurt like that. I don't want to see anybody's, you know, another young wrestler's career get cut short, you know, due to somebody's botch, you know. That's not a good look. It's not a good feel. You know, it's it's really sad for Paige. I mean, I know Paige, and it, you know, she's not the nicest person in the world. She's not the most classy person in the world. But, you know, at the end of the day, she's a human being. She's a young person. And it's really unfortunate that her career had to be cut short already you know, she, she just had so many years left and now she doesn't have anything because she's not allowed to wrestle because, you know, she, you know, it, it, would, it would really be unfortunate to see her be paralyzed. That wouldn't be cool. I wouldn't want to see that. I'm pretty sure you wouldn't want to see that. If you have any bit of human being in you, you wouldn't want to see that, you know. And like I said, I mean, Ruby Riot, excellent wrestler, really young wrestler. Um, she's, she's only 27. She's still really young, still got a lot of potential in her, uh, a lot of energy, a lot of strength, and she's good. And like I said, I, I would I would not want to see anything bad happen to her. I would not want to see her be injured because, you know, it, it would be more young talent on the shelf, you know. But anyway, I mean, th this was pretty much the end of the show. I've been going on for over an hour now. It's the hour and five minute point, and we're getting into the hour and six minute point here, so... I really didn't intend for this show to be this long. I really wanted it to be more like a half hour. But I kind of got off into, you know, some ranting. I kind of got off and, you know, got some things off my chest that I wanted to say for a while. I dug into many different topics. I got into Raw for the most part. I discussed it. Um, like I said, I, I welcome you guys to join the show. You know, give me your feedback and your input. It would be greatly appreciated. Uh, go to my website. Actually, this, this is one thing I want to update you on as well. All right, K-Axis Wrestling Network, which is, a, yeah, I actually introduced the show as um, K-Axis Wrestling Network. Sorry about that, because we're actually in a transitional phase right now, and I'm actually converting over to K-Axis Wrestling Podcast. So the name is being changed on my social media and my site. Uh, the website address is going to stay the same because I'm not going through all that stuff, you know, setting up a new domain and all that garbage, you know, I'm not doing all that. So, you know, the site's still going to be kaxiswrestlingnetwork.com. You know, everything else, social media, that's changing. It's going to, uh, except for YouTube. YouTube, I changed my name one too many times, and they said you can only change it three times in, what is it? Um, you can only change your name so many times within three months or something like that. So I'm going to have to wait for YouTube. Um, every other social media site that allows me to change my name it's going to be changed. It's also going to be different when you go to iTunes for the podcast. You're going to see K-Axis Wrestling Podcast. That's another thing I forgot to mention. Um, I, I pretty much got right into this podcast because I was excited and ready to roll. Um, so anyway, just, just keep that in mind. You're going to see a lot of things changing. Um, let me see. Yeah, the, the logo is going to change. 
AKA OL, the brand image. The brand image is going to change. My banners are going to change. Um, yeah, probably a couple things I'm going to forget, but pretty much we're going through changes. And I pretty much I, I casted out, uh, I posted up my photos on Instagram and Twitter of all of my new brand images that I created. And I invited fans to vote on it. I got a lot of likes, I didn't get no votes. So I chose the one that I thought would be the best. So I don't know, maybe I'll change it up again, who knows? Because I, I actually created quite a few that I really like, so I'm probably gonna be changing, I don't know, I might, I might change them up. I might change them up every once in a while, who knows? Um, but we'll see, we'll see how it goes. But anyway, excuse the indigestion, it's happening, happening again. All right, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. All right, so, anyway, like I said, support the show. Uh, like, follow, subscribe, retweet, follow. I'll be pumping out wrestling news on Twitter. Um, I'll be pumping out photos and videos on Instagram. I always keep it moving. Um, sometimes I might even tap into some older stuff. You know, for the Attitude Era fans, I might give you guys something you like. Um, I might give you guys some classic stuff, some old school Attitude Era stuff. Um, I like posting up. Uh, also, like I stated on my Instagram, I'm trying to get rid of my old wrestling figures. I've been trying to do it for a while, but nobody's really been committed to making the purchase. So, like I said, I'm going to do a giveaway. All you have to do is sign up, you know, at the email. And, uh, you know, sign up on my email when you go to my site. Get on my subscriber list. And just, you know, fill out the form with all your information. And enter the contest to win the wrestling figures and I will personally package them and ship them to you that's my promise that's my word if you want my wrestling if you want my all of my old wrestling figures they're WWF and WCW figures um, go to my Instagram if you want to see which ones I have and see how they look um, the ones that I have at this point in time are still in a lot of them are in good condition some of them are not so good. Some of them actually have, like, permanent red ink stains on them because I had, you know, I used to do matches with those figures, you know, when I was younger. I used to do matches, like, matches where people got split open and bloody and stuff and, like, hardcore matches and all sorts of craziness. But, uh, you know, some of them have, like, permanent ink stains on them, unfortunately. But it's not a lot of them that do. It's only a few of them. But anyway, I just wanted to let that be known. I'm going to do a giveaway. All you have to do is go to the website, sign up, and become a member become a member enter your name and your information and i you know and whoever wins the contest like i said because i'm going to do a random drawing and then i'm going to draw your name and whoever wins will have i will personally ship those action figures those wrestling figures to you and you can add it to your wrestling collection if you're a big enough wrestling fan and if you want to add more to your collection or add something that you don't currently have in your collection just let me know. Just sign up. All you have to do is sign up, and I will do a drawing, and I will ship them to you. So if you want a chance to win those wrestling figures, sign up. That's all you do. And if you have any questions or comments or concerns, just let me know. And then we can move along from there, and we can just keep things smooth sailing. And, you know, just wanted to throw that out there. So this is the end of the show. So for this is the, this is my final saying here i know i've been blabbing on for so long it's it's getting old i know i'm in the one hour 11 minute point and i'm just getting nutty here but anyway like i said support the show comment rate subscribe follow um whatever you want donate 
because a donation would be greatly appreciated. A donation will keep the show going strong on SoundCloud. It'll help with building funds, you know, with, with you know, upgrades on this studio that I'm currently in that's falling apart as before my eyes. You know, I have panels coming off the walls here and it's getting raggedy. I, I need to make repairs. Um, I need to get new equipment. There's things I need to keep this podcast going strong. So if, so if you support this podcast, please donate to it. Money would be very helpful. Like I said, if you don't have money, that's understandable. Follow, rate, comment, subscribe, get involved. You know, because on Instagram, I'm seeing a lot of likes. I'm not seeing a lot of follows. I'm, 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 I'm getting the followers, and that's very much appreciated. I'm, I'm loving that. I'm enjoying it. It's cool. It's fine. It's dandy. I love it. I love the support. Just give me more. You know what I'm saying? All I'm asking for is more support for this project because I'm doing it alone. I don't have any backing. I don't have any partners in this. This is a one-man deal. So, I'm asking, if you can donate, donate to the show. It would be a great help. It would keep me going on SoundCloud because my SoundCloud is going to expire pretty soon. And then I'm going to be pretty much reduced to doing this on YouTube and making YouTube videos because they have unlimited storage. Um, there's no other site that allows unlimited storage. I, I even looked on MySpace the other day. MySpace only gives you, uh, what is it, two gigabytes. And from every episode that I've done before today, the entire collection is just about at the two gigabyte point. So there was really no point in uploading to MySpace. So it's like there's really nowhere else to go at this point. Um, I'm trying Anchor, Anchor FM. Uh, I don't know how much data they'll let me upload. See, so I'm trying to get that figured out. So hopefully that works. So I won't have to go exclusively to YouTube. But hey, if worse comes to worse, I'm not going to give up on this project because I invested way too much in it already. So with all of those investments, um, what I'm saying here is that with all these investments, I'm going to keep this thing going. I'm not going to give up on this project. I'm going to keep it moving. I'm going to keep it going strong for as long as I can. Um, but like I said, if, if I have to go to YouTube, I'll go to YouTube. You know, that, that's what it'll be. And I'll just direct you guys to YouTube and you guys can still listen. You can still tune in. But if you go to my YouTube and, and listen there, I'm going to ask you, please comment, rate, and subscribe. Because that's what gives me what I need. You know what I'm saying? That gives me what I need to keep the show going. I, you know, support, followers, subscribers, it all helps. Anything you could do to help this podcast or support this podcast, please do it. Okay. So, I blabbed on long enough like I just said so i am your host k axis i'm signing off for k axis uh wrestling podcast not network i'm signing off for k axis wrestling podcast you guys have a good one i will see you next time in the smackdown episode you guys have a great day stay safe stay strong and don't do anything i wouldn't do have a good one